This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, They're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. I think that Glasgow COP26 is a turning point for the world. The drive to net zero must become the new normal for everyone, everywhere. Blah, 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 blah. As the world rallies in Indonesia, thousands of fires are worsening. The heavy rains, the constant dry spells that left the streams dry. We're here today to show that we stand together united in our commitment to climate justice. Their message is clear. Time is running out. Hello, I'm Madeline Finlay, the host of Science Weekly, which will be Science Daily for the next two weeks as COP26 kicks off. It's hard to oversell how critical this climate summit is. It's probably the most important climate conference to ever take place. Why? Because we need global temperature rises to stay within 1.5 degrees for humanity to secure its future. And... The clock is ticking. World leaders, diplomats, delegates, scientists and activists have all travelled to Glasgow to argue about how to achieve this over the next 13 days. The Guardian's award-winning environment team will be following it all, and I'll be here with them. From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay and this is Science Weekly, daily from COP26. Fiona Harvey, you're The Guardian's environment correspondent and you're here in Glasgow where COP26, the United Nations Climate Change Conference, has begun. So what exactly is this meeting? What's its purpose? COP26 is the 26th Conference of the Parties and that's the parties to the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, which is the 1992 treaty in which every nation in the world really agreed that we should do something about climate change and prevent it from becoming dangerous. So we've been meeting since that year to talk about what can be done. This year is really a crunch year for many reasons. 
Probably the most important reason being that we have left it so late. This COP will be building on the agreements made at COP21 in Paris in 2015. Take us back to Paris. What exactly was agreed? In Paris in 2015, all the parties to the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change got together and talked about setting a firm goal on temperatures so that we wouldn't allow global temperatures to rise beyond a certain level. That was regarded as the limit of safety. Here in Paris, let's secure an agreement that builds in ambition, where progress paves the way for regularly updated targets. Targets that are not set... All countries had to come forward with these plans, national plans, nationally determined contributions, or NDCs, as they're called. And these NDCs set out how each country is going to tackle its greenhouse gas emissions. So overall, we need countries to set NDCs that would amount to a roughly 45% cut in greenhouse gas emissions compared with 2010 levels by 2030. That would be in order to stay within 1.5 degrees of global heating. And that 1.5 degrees, why was that the number that we settled on? Well, there was no guarantee at Paris that that would be the number settled on. It was very difficult, in fact, to get agreement on 1.5 degrees. So much research has been done since Paris. We had the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change doing a major report on the consequences of 1.5, which came out in 2018. I'm delighted to open this presentation to you of the IPCC's new special report on global warming of 1.5 degrees. That showed that really, if we go beyond 1.5, we really do get into dire consequences. We would see more heat waves, more droughts, more floods. We would see fiercer storms, hurricanes, things like that. If we push it further still towards 2 degrees, it's quite possible that some of those consequences would be irreversible. More than a hundred people have died and hundreds more are still missing after the worst flooding in parts of Western Europe for several decades. A deadly famine has been devastating for the south of Madagascar, the first country in the world to experience such conditions due to climate change. Apocalyptic scenes as intense wildfires continue to ravage parts of Greece for the fourth day. Blistering beneath an unforgiving sun, Vancouver swelters amid record-breaking heat. Since the Paris Agreement, how have we been doing in meeting some of these targets? Since the Paris Agreement, we have done terribly. Temperatures are now about 1.1 degrees above pre-industrial levels. The problem is that we have allowed emissions to keep rising, and they have risen steadily, effectively, since the Paris Agreement. There was a drop because of the lockdowns last year, about 5%, but the emissions have rebounded and We just haven't really brought them under control and we haven't shown how we're going to do that. We need emissions to not just peak very soon, but then to fall drastically by about 7% a year. It can be done. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change during the summer said there was still a narrow path to 1.5 degrees. 
The United Nations is not the only one giving stark warnings. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said that he's very worried that the upcoming summit, the climate summit, might go wrong. Is the UK at the forefront of tackling climate change? Or is it in fact mid-table languishing in the lower leagues? COP26 represents a massive chance for the UK to re-sculpt its reputation post-Brexit. So there is still a chance to keep to 1.5 degrees of warming. But as you've said, it's a narrow path, which is why it's so critical that we get some progress from this COP. That's right. This is the COP of action. And that comes in several ways. One is that we need these NDCs. The Paris NDCs were inadequate and we need better ones to keep us within 1.5. But also, the Paris Agreement is is a big, long, unwieldy agreement and there's lots of bits in it. And the thing is that in the last six years, we haven't actually managed to agree on some of the details. So although we've got agreement on, you know, uh, the, the temperature goals and so on, the thrust of the Paris Agreement, there are lots of little details that we haven't. So these issues altogether are a thing called the Paris Rulebook, and we need to get agreement on these finicky little issues uh, so that we can put Paris fully into operation as a legal document. That means that there are 136 at the moment different agenda items that the UK, the UN, all these countries have to get through. There's a lot to check off on this list. How difficult is it going to be? I was speaking to Alok Sharma a little while ago and uh, I asked him, was this COP harder than Paris? And he sort of looked at me and said, oh, yes. And I want to be frank. It will be a challenging task to get us over the line. So as I said to ministers in Italy, we must all come to COP armed with the currency of compromise. If you think about it, it's not just the pandemic and all the difficulties we've got to do with that. It's these 136 agenda items to put in force the Paris rulebook. It's the NDCs that were inadequate at Paris and we need to sort out now. It's things like coal and it's getting agreement from every single country at the same time. So, yes, this is going to be much harder than Paris. Okay, so if Alok Sharma, the president of COP this year, says that it's going to be tough, we can probably expect it to be really tough. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on the G20 countries who are responsible for about four-fifths of all greenhouse gas emissions. And in particular China, who are the world's largest emitters. The white paper includes... China's new concept of addressing climate change, the implementation of a national strategy to actively address climate change, the historic changes in China's response to climate change, and the establishment... Now, Fiona, last week they announced their Nationally Determined Contributions, or NDCs, which, by all expert analysis, were an unsatisfying update. They said that emissions would peak by 2030 and then be reduced to net zero three decades later. And as you've explained, that's not exactly what we need. Who else are we looking at to do better? Russia is a massive exporter of fossil fuels and has shown very little sign of wanting to do anything on the climate. Similarly, Saudi Arabia, which has announced its own net zero target, which is kind of pointless, really, because its emissions are 
tiny. It's the oil and gas that it produces and sells that are huge. The International Energy Agency earlier this year put out a report about meeting 1.5 degrees. It was commissioned by the UK government to do so. And the IEA, which is kind of global authority on energy and greenhouse gas emissions from energy, it said that we would have to stop all further exploration and development of new oil and gas from the end of this year in order to stay within 1.5 degrees. And that's a really important thing to say. It was almost completely ignored, even by the UK, which commissioned the report. So lots of countries still have plans to do further oil and gas exploration. So really, all countries need to do more. Fiona, from the outside, it feels like there's a real sense that this is the most important COP yet and that we're running out of time in making the progress that we need to prevent catastrophic global temperature rises. You are a COP veteran. How are you feeling going into this? I've been at 14 out of the last 16 COPs, so this is my 15th. And every COP is important. And it's important to note that this is not the end. There is a world after Glasgow, and in an important sense, Glasgow is the beginning because countries will be asked to come back if their NDCs are not good enough until they are. So although this is a very important moment, it's not actually the end and we shouldn't see it as such. Fiona, thank you very much. Thank you. Over the next two weeks, I'll be chatting to Fiona Harvey again, along with others in The Guardian's award-winning environment team, who'll be on the ground expertly guiding us through this historic climate summit. Tomorrow, we'll be hearing about the first day of the World Leaders' Summit. Leaders will put forward their actions for securing global net zero and keeping 1.5 degrees in reach. Climate change is not only a threat, it is above all an opportunity to create a healthier, greener and cleaner planet which will benefit all of us. To get our daily episodes, subscribe to Science Weekly on your preferred podcast app. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.